So as I'm recording this, it is about eight o'clock on Saturday morning. The sun is shining through the studio windows. I have two shoots today, uh, an engagement shoot and a shoot of three grown-up siblings, three sisters. And I have to admit, I'm really excited. It's great that the studio once more is buzzing and everyone seems to be really enthusiastic about booking, uh, making the bookings and actually coming for the things that we were talking about in some instances a year ago. Uh, so I'm sitting here, I'm preparing myself, <laughs> I'm preparing myself. Uh, I always get a little bit edgy, I'll talk a little bit more about that later uh, in advance of shoots. I've never ever found a way past it, it's sort of stage fright. Uh, it's a good thing, it's my adrenaline starting to pump. I'm checking the kit, um, I've just had the hugest bowl of honey nut cornflakes, sorry, that's a weakness of mine, and a big mug of black coffee. I'm Paul. And this, well, this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Good morning, one and all. I hope you're well. I hope life is treating you Okay. The sun here is shining. Uh, I have about a 40% chance of showers, according to the weather. Uh, Now, I never really, I don't think anyone knows how to read percentage chance of showers. (laughs) I know I've I've met people get really cross when they say, it didn't say it was definitely going to rain, and yet it's raining. Yeah, well, that's the thing about chance. That's the thing about percentages. Uh, Well, hopefully with the 40%, it can rain. Just let's hope it doesn't rain while I'm shooting, because although we can do an awful lot in the studio... Uh, It's so much nicer to be outside in the fresh air. Uh, That's the way I like to shoot. It certainly is my favourite thing. Uh, Had a little bit, I'll be honest, a little bit of a nightmare yesterday. Um, Thank you to uh, Bob Foyers, one one of our Mastering Portrait Photography members, who pointed me in the direction of a bit of software called Focal. Focal. Yeah, try Googling that. I will put the link to this little bit of software in the show notes because it's worth it. It's great. Yeah, you can plug a Nikon or Canon camera into it and it will help you calibrate your lenses. Now, I don't know if you know this, but most lenses, most lenses come up just fine. You don't need to do anything to them. But after time, the focus settings start to drift. And there are settings on certainly the higher end cameras that allow you to offset this. So when the camera thinks it's sharp, you can tell it that actually you've missed the mark by a millimetre or two, and you can actually set this distance in the menus. And this bit of software really usefully helps you do it. The problem is, I tested my lenses and discovered firstly one of them is showing an erratic focus, which which would explain a few things. I assumed it was operator error, uh, because I always assume that it's operator error and it turns out now I do have a lens that's showing variable focus so I dragged out this is a 70 to 200 uh, so an f2.8 VR uh, vibration reduction version 2 I think so you're looking at a couple of grand's worth of glass so I picked out my spare because as a wedding photographer of course you know this you have to have two of them and discovered that the focus motors have stopped working on that one so my spare lens isn't working at all so I now know Firstly, I've got a big repair bill coming. And secondly, that I'm about to go into this week's shoots 
with an erratically focusing lens. Now, before I knew it was focusing erratically, I just took a lot of pictures and made sure that at least a few of them were sharp um, and assumed that um, it was me. Now I know it's the lens, of course, that has to be solved. So yesterday, uh, onto Warehouse Express really quickly, uh, and I have a brand new Z series 70 to 200 2.8 VR arriving via Royal Mail, hopefully, hopefully just in time for this morning's first shoot. I've had the confirmation text that it's on its way. It's going to arrive between 10 and 11. So maybe if I keep my client talking for half an hour, if it hasn't arrived, uh, then I will have a pin sharp lens to play with. And it's a funny old thing. I mean, this, this is what, two and a half thousand pounds worth of glass. And in the old days, I used to feel quite excited about it. And if I'm working, if I'm buying an esoteric lens, something interesting, I still get excited about it. But the 70 to 200 is like, I guess it's like a very expensive tire change on your car. You've got to do it. It is what I rely on, but I'm not that excited about it. Maybe I will be when it's in my hands, and maybe I will be when I start to see the pictures coming off it, because by all accounts, the Nikon, this particular Nikon lens, is meant to be absolutely awesome. Um, but in the end of the day, it will make no difference to my life at all, because it's simply the kit that's stuck on the front of the camera. Isn't that sad? You get to a stage. Uh, the other thing I know, of course, is I've got to get all the lenses repaired, because we are starting to do the weddings now. Uh, and there's no way I'm going into a wedding without a full rig of spare kit. Um, stuff breaks all the time. Uh, so that's a little bit scary. So, uh, yeah, I'm, and the other thing, of course, is because I'm buying the Z series lens, I really am now fully committed to the Nikon Z system, the mirrorless system. <gasps> deep breath <laughs> there's not a lot i can do about it now uh, there is no going back so other than that which was a little bit horrific and incidentally this bit of software is brilliant uh focal it's called it's really really cool um i love i love bits of techie stuff like that it's not particularly expensive i bought the pro version i think it was about 65 quid uh, certainly worth it. It certainly exposed some errors uh, on the focusing, so that was a good thing. It also managed to focus or set the um, focus offset for my 50mm, which has never been... I've, I've always had these old nifty 50s. I used to buy them by the bucket load because they were really cheap. Uh, F1.8, and you don't really need to go much wider than F1.8. F1 I mean, if an F1.4 is nice because it makes the focusing quicker because the camera's got more light to see. But it's very rare that I'm shooting at 1.4. In fact, the only time I now use 1.4 is when I'm recording a video because I use it to make sure that the cluttered background in my studio is properly out of focus. So I used to buy these kit, these uh, nifty 50s. Uh, anyway, I've got this, what was at the time, Nikon's flagship 50mm, and I've never liked it. It's never been my favourite lens. Uh, so I've run that through the calibrator. Um, it came up with a small offset, but it seems it says it's working just fine. I just, just think it's a slow and slightly mushy lens. Um, maybe I should have bought the Sigma F the Art 50. Feel free to email me in with your comments on that. If you found uh, a beautiful 50mm lens that will fit a Nikon system, then do let me know. Uh, because it, I guess it seems like one of those lenses you should just own, but uh, I've never had an awful lot of joy with it. Uh, what else? So apart from that nightmare yesterday, it's been a really good week. A uh, handful of shoots. We did one, <laughs> one set of headshots we redid this week. Um, I'm hoping, I'll say hoping we know it's at the client's expense uh, because they didn't like their first set of headshots because they hadn't had haircuts. Now, 
Myself and Sarah probably could have told them that looking at them as they walked in for that first shoot, <laughs> but they were insistent they had a deadline that had to be met, so we photographed them. The shots are beautiful, but the haircuts aren't. Uh, sure enough, when they saw them, they extended the deadline and came back yesterday uh, with suitably smart haircuts. Uh, it was great. It was lovely. It's a lovely seat to see them. They're a really, really nice client. Good-looking bunch, too. Uh, really good to work with them and it was just nice it was nice to see them it was nice to have the laughter the studio really is uh, buzzing again uh, hearing dogs we've been doing an awful lot with the hearing dogs I guess I speak about that pretty much every week because I shoot with them pretty much every week uh, we did some Christmas photography we've done we've done a couple of back-to-back weeks where we've been photographing poppies in front of Christmas lights <laughs> you can't make this stuff up it's May or well I say it's May it's May now but it was April now shooting um, all of the Christmas stuff came out, the presents, the tinsel, the little decorations. Uh, and myself and uh, Maria, who's down at the Hearing Dog, she's my client down there, we both quite like Christmas. So it's really nice. <laughs> We've been getting the Christmas decorations out and getting ever so slightly festive. But it does feel a little bit weird uh, shooting like that. And, and these days, we're shooting so much stuff down there that has a release date that could be six months in advance. That I have to double check when the th- when when the images are going to be used and what they're going to be used for, because for instance, this week the tulips have come out. It's beautiful down there, but the campaign's going to go out in the winter, so I'm not allowed to photograph the dogs in front of the tulips. And it's a constant running battle to remember to check when am I going? When is this stuff being released? So the seasonality has to sort of be baked into the imagery. Hot, bright, sunny day. Well, that'll be the December release. <laughs> Cold, miserable, wet, no leaves on the trees. That'll be the June release. Uh, it causes me all sorts of havoc trying to find angles and ways of shooting that don't give away the fact that we're shooting these things in, in <laughs> six months in advance. Uh, I do keep saying that if they want summer shots, they should send us somewhere hot and sunny. If they want winter shots, they should send us somewhere cold and snowy. Uh, so far, so far, uh, are getting little traction on that. Very little traction. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, a couple of portrait shoots as well thrown into the bag. Um, just been wonderful. I can't speak too much about one of them because uh, the person came uh, to create some pictures as a surprise for her mum. And that's as much as I can say. Uh, but uh, it'll be a hell of a, it'll be lovely, absolutely beautiful. Her mum is going to absolutely adore the images uh, that we've created. Uh, one thing that did happen last weekend at the end of some, uh, the end of, so on Saturday after a meeting, a beautiful wedding meeting, starting lots of wedding meetings now, we're starting to do the planning. Uh, but myself and Sarah took ourselves up to see my mum. Now we haven't been home or I haven't been home in ages. I say home. I mean, obviously my home is down here, but you know how you kind of lock onto the language, don't you, of the place you came to. Uh, back to my childhood home. I haven't been back in ages. And then luckily mum has uh, a self-contained little cabin in the corner of her garden. And with the Welsh restrictions up uh, being lifted a little bit, it now means myself and Sarah could go up and stay for a couple of days, which was just lovely. A proper breath of fresh air and I mean that literally not just figuratively um, so it was really really nice uh, went up on the Saturday on Sunday we took ourselves off to Anglesey to go just for a walk really uh, mum was busy anyway and so uh, the two of us and the dog went over to the 
most northwest tip of Wales, which is off the right on the edge of Anglesey Island. I had no idea how big Anglesey is. I have to admit, with a degree of guilt, uh, I had no idea. It's bigger than the Isle of Wight. It's huge. It's about 30 miles across or something similar. Uh, it's quite a big old chunk of land. And I've been there, I think. I mean, I've lived within an hour of it for, I lived there for 20 years. Never really went there, except maybe to go to Hollyhead. I think I went to Beaumaris Castle just once when I was a kid. But it's just not somewhere that ever I needed to go to, because with Snowdonia in between where I lived and Anglesey, well, I just always went to Snowdonia, which, of course, is stunning. Uh, interesting, uh, yeah, as an aside, interesting news this week that they are thinking, uh, the Snowdonia Park authorities are thinking of using the Welsh name for Snowdonia, or for Snowdon and Snowdonia, the Welsh names. I don't know the Welsh name for Snowdonia, but Snowdon, I think, and now forgive me, my pronunciation should be all right, but I'm fairly nervous, but it's Rwythgrig, uh, which um, I'm looking forward to lots of English people trying to say. Uh, so uh, they are thinking of that. Uh, maybe maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll just keep the numbers down a little bit. If you can't pronounce it, why would you climb it? Uh, but I'm guessing it'll make very little difference. Uh, anyway, we went over to see my mum, went over to Anglesey and just, oh man, glorious. Um, though it did cost me, I am now I am now an annual member of the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, the RSPB, which is great, really honourable uh, organization uh, and we're really keen on wildlife and keeping an eye on the bird population we feed the birds in the garden certain times of year provide habitats and everything else well i'm now providing like 75 quid a year because the car park machine wouldn't take a credit card only cash and there was a very nice rspb guy up there called jake a big shout to jake uh, who was just raised 75 quid a year for the rspb because he said well he said uh, I, d I don't know what you, you can do about the car parking, but you know it's free to RSPB members, don't you? And you can join up here. <laughs> so <laughs> funny, funny. They've got credit card facilities for joining up, but the car park machine, which they also own, had uh, cash only. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> the RSPB now has a new member. I'm very enthusiastic I'm about it too. But we climbed this little... There's a, they, it's called Hollyhead Mountain, uh, which is probably nothing more than a hump. Uh, in the landscape uh, off the edge of Anglesey. But when you climb to the top of it and look back to Snowdonia, you suddenly realise how big Snowdonia is. And I, I, I've always loved the mountains, but when you're sat on a hill with nothing but the Menai Straits, which is basically a bit of the sea, and some flatland between you, and then suddenly, in the distance, Snowdonia just rises out of the earth like something in a fantasy novel it's utterly unreal uh i became a bigger fan of snowdonia than ever just by sitting on hollyhead mountain and looking back at it. but a wonderful day anyway on the sunday uh up at my mum's i finally took the opportunity of going through some of my dad's stuff in his workshop now my dad died back in 2014 um but i've never really gone back and started to look at his workshop and think about some of the stuff really whether we sell it or whether we um, repurpose it. Uh, and it was, I have to admit, quite emotional. Um, going through his stuff, I mean, he's, you know, he's been gone, what, seven years, and yet still, I don't know, it's just something about it. I think the thing that got me the most is the smell of his overalls. You know, it really, really took me back to when I was a kid and working on his workbench. Anyway, we took some of the tools out, and at the very 
End of that process, Sarah, we're looking at Dad's old workbench, which I think is made out of oak. It's solid. I mean, the thing is a brute. And I never, it never occurred to me that that was something that we could move, let alone put into my workshop. So anyway, Sarah said we should really take it because it's the workshop that I was taught on. Dad taught me some of the rudiments of woodworking and metalwork on this workbench. It's a beautiful bench. Um, and I never really thought I could get emotional about a lump of wood, but there I am, stood in front of this thing, getting emotional about it. And I undid the bolts on the legs and we tried everything. And I could not find the bolts that hold the top onto the leg frame. And in the end, I had to say to Sarah, look, we can't take it because without taking this thing apart, it will not go in a Land Rover. <laughs> the Land Rover is big, but it is not that big. And she said, doesn't it just lift off? And I'm like, no, no, I've tried that. It doesn't work. She said, no, it must just lift off. If you can't find any bolts, it must just lift off. So I put my back against it and properly gave this thing a lift. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, my bloody smart ass of a wife uh it was absolutely right the thing just had it was so heavy that it's just sat on pegs on this frame and so we managed to get it apart and between the two of us wrestled it into the land rover and when i finished my shoots today that's what i'm doing i'm going back home i've got to come back home here and uh, i'm going to finish clearing out the workshop that i've built and then we're going to reconstruct my dad's workbench in it and i cannot wait <laughs> but as usual Sarah was right I was wrong uh, and I have to declare that publicly uh, so I'm really really looking forward to that uh, interesting aside ladies and gentlemen yes this is news um, the podcast is now up in the upper echelons of podcasts I've got some sponsored episodes coming. Yes, I have. <laughs> Would you believe it? Um, people are listening to the podcast and others are thinking it would be a good place to advertise product. And given that I fund all of this, uh, it's really, really nice that we found a little bit of sponsorship. So in the coming few episodes, uh, now we've made it into the big league, uh, I'll be plugging a little bit uh, of kit. Uh, Panasonic have sent me some of their latest rechargeable batteries and a charger. They arrived this week, so I'm quite excited. Uh, I have a fairly checkered history with battery chargers. I usually choose bad ones, uh, you know, and I'm always frustrated with them. It's always been a wonderment that they don't charge one battery at a time particularly in a world where I have stuff that uses one battery at a time. Uh, but this thing does. It's absolutely brilliant. Or at least it looks brilliant. I haven't taken it out of the packet yet. Uh, I need to take some photographs of it all packaged up. And so I'm really excited about that. I will be talking about uh, my experience of those over the next few weeks. I mean, of course, be aware that it's sponsored. Uh, and so it'll be extolling the virtues uh, of the batteries and charges. And uh, I do think... I mean, of course, <laughs> on a slightly, you know, eco-friendly side of it, everyone should be using rechargeable batteries anyway, irrespective of the manufacturer. Uh, you should be using rechargeable batteries rather than draining the Earth's resources at the, way, at the rate we are. Uh, so uh, whether or not it's Panasonic stuff, of course, I will. Uh, these things look great. They look absolutely brilliant. Um, so I'll let you know how I am getting on with them in future episodes. Uh, but I'm very, very, very excited about it. <laughs> a little bit of tech. A two and a half thousand grand, two and a half thousand pound lens turning up. Yeah, OK, that's a tool of the job. I don't know how much this stuff's worth, but a few hundred pounds worth of battery charger and kit. And I'm really, really excited about uh, testing that and putting it through its paces. 
anyway, so looking forward to those. Uh, so on to this week's episode. Now, have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what makes you laugh or gets you angry or makes you distressed and how many times that happens each and every month and have you ever noticed how nearly all of it's created by nothing more than words 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 and words alone having an argument with someone someone complimenting you someone telling you a joke of course reading the news or listening to the news uh, social media oh man social media uh, listening to a podcast or of course uh, Sarah's particularly favourite uh, pastime, reading a good book. It's just words. And essentially, every single emotion you can think of, except for physical pain, except for physical pain, is created or can be created by words. And yet, we don't really pay much attention to it, particularly as photographers. We're all about the image, right? We're all about, oh, I like the moodiness in that. I like the tones in that. Oh, I hope you haven't blocked up your black. So I do like the way you've composed it. Or you've got a bit of motion blur. I like the way you've caught the motion. Or I love the highlights in the eyes. Or the way the hair is flicked or retouched. Or the finish you put on it. Or the black and white you've used. Or the tools you've used. Or, ah! In the end, all of these emotions can be triggered by nothing more than words. Think about that. Think about it. What you say, what I say, the way you say it can and often does make someone's day or, of course, can ruin it. So I hopped onto social media yesterday briefly because, as is so often the case, it did my head in and I came off it again pretty quickly. It just made me mad, actually. There was so much. Now, I know I live in a swirling world of photography, really. And there was so much of the big I am on there. And I just, it just drove me mad because I know a lot of these photographers and I know that's not really, I know that's not really how they feel deep down. But there's so much big I am, so much arrogance. There was also, off the photographer threads, an awful lot of vitriol and an awful lot of bragging. I mean, for me, for me, social media has always been problematic. And I, this isn't news to you. You know I've talked about this before. I struggle with it a little bit because it's always, it either makes me angry or jealous because it's either full of people, it's either full of vitriol or bragging. It's either how angry am I or how amazing is my life. My life is amazing. Look at the look at these pictures of me on the beach. Look at these pictures of my kids. Look at these pictures of a blue sky. Look at these pictures of my dog. And it just goes on and on and on. And I struggle with it. I struggle with the whole... I never quite get the hang of the fact that it's not real. I never I never have quite managed that. And so I don't stick around on social media too much because it plays with my head. So if you've ever wondered why, uh, we post sporadically. Sarah posts really well. She's a brilliant poster for us as a business. But if you ever wondered why, there's not an awful lot uh, going on on social media for me. That's why. Because when I get on it, I can't get off it. I get, And I'm drawn in. <laughs> just scrolling, 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 <laughs> and getting quietly frustrated with myself because I know it's fictitious, but it just it doesn't stop me feeling that way. And I know as photographers, we have to be on social media. And I know that marketing is a bitch, particularly if you're British. Um, I think that whole how to sell yourself using words and images is is a tough gig. But I don't know necessarily that we need quite so much of the big I am on there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. Maybe every photographer except me 
is living the perfect life, is taking the perfect picture, has the perfect clients. Maybe it's just me that has uh, the things that go wrong with <laughs> things, you know, lenses going wrong, clients occasionally being awkward, that kind of thing. Anyway, that's not really the point. The point about this is we're all carrying insecurities and vulnerabilities and we're all carrying things that we can change using words. Now, when I started being asked to present on stage many years ago now, um, I had a, a slide, I used to put up a slide that said precisely, I promise you I will tell the truth. And I've stuck to that. That's why this podcast is the way it is. Um, and I know occasionally Sarah raises an eye at me, says, do people really want to know that, you know, you're terrified occasionally or that things have gone wrong? And we have a discussion about it. And I've, on the whole, stuck to the principle that it's better to tell the truth. And then when you're listening to it, you know that I'm even when I'm, you know, saying good things too. That's the truth. It's the truth. At least it's the truth as I see it. <laughs> now, that's not quite the same thing as it being fact. It's the truth as I see it. And I've tried really hard to stick to that. But on the use of words, so I'm telling you the truth. I'm using words to portray the life of a working photographer, to talk about what actually goes on when, you know, as a business, as a family and all of those kinds of things. That's what this podcast is about. But here's the point of this particular podcast is you can use words. You can use words really effectively and as a photographer, I think we get drawn into the idea that it's all about the imagery. And of course, at the end of the day, that is the product. That is the product. But it's words that actually drive it. My clients today have to leave the shoot feeling energized, confident, like they've had a great experience. They have to feel that the pictures are going to be amazing. They have to feel that they want to come back to see them. Yet, during the shoot, I'm not going to show them anything. I, I don't. I don't use the back of the camera. I, occasionally, I might, if when I look through the viewfinder, I can see they're going to love that picture no matter what. But usually, I hold on to the images. They're mine until I decide I'm happy that they can be released. And so the only thing that I can give them during this shoot are the emotions that I can trigger using words. Think about it. Just like reading a book or hearing a joke or hearing the news, words. So from the minute they walk in, the minute we open the door, the minute they step inside the studio, through the shoot, right to the end, words. Everything is about words. And that's the joy of words. If you pick your words carefully, if you choose to make somebody else feel good using words, that is a gift. That is something that as a photographer, it's not based around your knowledge of golden ratios or f-stops or depths of field or, or ISOs or any of these things. It's a human skill and it's crucial for a portrait photographer, particularly when you make your you make your living out of it. Your job, your job, <laughs> your job is to make people feel good, right? You know that. You're going to take a picture. In, in your head, you take a picture, you show a picture, the people are going to feel good and then they're going to buy it. That's how it works. That's the basic business model. But of course, it's so much more nuanced than that. 
You have to make them feel good before they've even got to see the pictures. You have to use words. You have to be authentic. You have to mean it. You can't lie. This comes back to my point about telling the truth. What you have to do, though, to use the pun, is focus on all of the good in people. And then you have to use that. You have to translate that into words. You have to be positive and energetic. Before the shoot, I have to give myself a talking to because I'm still nervous. It hasn't changed. It's never gone away. It doesn't matter, I don't know, how many years I've been doing this, how much our order book or our bookings are out into, where are they now? I think our weekends are out into July at the moment, which is great. It doesn't matter how many awards or whether I'm judging. I'm terrified. Honestly, I'm always nervous. Every shoot. I've never got over it. Never, I never got over it as a musician. I always had stage fright as a musician and I always get stage fright as a photographer. So I have to give myself a talking to. I will have triple checked. Well, hopefully I'll have triple checked a brand new lens that I'm going to bolt on the front. Luckily, the client who are in first are a local client. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't brain surgery. And if they have to come back, then uh, we could make that happen if I really am struggling with a lens. But I'm hoping that this new lens will be on the front of the camera Um that's for sure. But I give myself a talking to. I talk through in my head the kinds of things that I'd like to shoot. I look at the light. Obviously, at this stage, although I, I the, the first shoot I have met the client, the second shoot I haven't, I don't know what people are going to turn up wearing. I don't know in the end whether we're going to get our 40% chance of rain. I don't know really how people are going to react to the camera. And I've got to work all of that out on the fly. But I will have in my head some ideas and certainly a strategy. I will have checked all of the kit so that as far as I can make it, nothing can go wrong. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to words. It's going to come down to me playing back to them positive aspects of themselves during the shoot. Because at the think about it, think about it, think about it. People in this particular part of the photography business world don't buy pictures. They buy memories. They will buy things that trigger memories. So the shoot has to be amazing. The experience has to be amazing. And all of that, all of that is about words. Admittedly, a little bit of body language too, because as we all know, isn't it 80% of the interpretation of somebody's meaning is through uh, body language. But nonetheless, I'm talking about conversation. What you say, when you say it, how you say it, is more important than anything else at this stage. Yes, you do have to take the pictures. Of course you do. But through this process, it's all about the words. It's your job to be the person in the room that makes somebody else feel better than they did when they arrived. Cannot wait. Really excited <laughs> to do the shoots. Um, where am I? I've got some, I have crib notes for this stuff, uh, but I keep going off script. Talking of words, there's me going off script. Uh, so there you are. Yes. And you wonder why at the end of every single podcast, I close off with the line that I do. So here we are we're at the end of this particular episode. And I do feel like I do at the end of a shoot, exhausted, well, ever so slightly exhausted, um, and also slightly nervous, because I don't know whether the words I've actually used doing here are any good. Exactly the same as I feel at the end of the shoot, you know, when you're worrying that the photos you've taken are not good enough. But there you go. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's useful. I hope it's triggered some ideas in your head. Just focus on words. Think about the words that you use. Think about the way you make people feel during the shoot. 
So if you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. <laughs> please do subscribe and leave us a review. Just hit the subscribe button on whatever it, platform it is that you uh, consume your podcasts uh, and leave us a review and a rating. It really, 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 really helps us out. Please do that if you wouldn't mind. Uh, so until next time, I hope the weather is shining. I hope life is good. And whatever else, using words, be kind to yourself. Take care.